The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with The Plant Profits, powered by Protus Global. Hello, everyone. I am Vern Davis. I'm the host of Plant Profits, and thanks for joining us here today. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global, and uh, we're we're excited today. Our, we have a, a wonderful guest and a very timely guest, by the way. Uh, he's revered as a B2B growth specialist and business builder with a proven track record of identifying new markets and opportunities uh, to scale national business. Today, my guest is Mr. George Jage, and he is the co-founder and chief executive officer uh, at MJ Unpacked. So very timely. How you doing, George? I'm, I'm doing great, Vern. How you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Yeah, not, not a lot awesome. to complain about, right? No, it's, it's you know, I'm here, I'm healthy, my family's healthy, I'm good. What about That's you? Awesome. Same here, I mean, uh, you know, I always say um, I'm alive, everything after that's a luxury, right? So um, well done. You set, the, you set the bar low enough, it's hard to get disappointed. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's, there's, there's a lot there. Uh, it's, it's kind of cool, man. It's kind of cool. So, George, what I want to do today is we're obviously going to spend some time. I want to really understand the whole story around our impact, which is critical. We'll get there eventually here. But I really want people to know who George Jage is okay. and, and really kind of, you know, some things I know. You, you spent some time in some really cold weather in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, you know, you bet you. got a couple of degrees in Wisconsin. Yeah. So did it all start there? Did you have a reason to go there? Because you either born there, you got to have a real reason. Well, well, I, I wasn't born there. I was actually born in Chicago in Mount Prospect, oh. Illinois. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and but my parents moved me up there when I was to Wisconsin when I was one. So I didn't have a big um, uh, ability to have an input in on that. Uh, but yeah, I grew up in Wisconsin. Um Definitely a uh, diehard Packers cheesehead fan. Um, You're a Packers man? Oh, yeah. I'm a Cowboy fan. I don't like you very much. Well, you know, I, I'm... It's I old. It's you. an old story. Um, <laughs> listen, Mike, you got Mike McCarthy down there now, so you guys are good. Yeah, we'll see. Good we got some. We got. We have some clock management issues going on right now. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I grew up in Wisconsin. Um, yeah. You know, I, uh, um, you know, kind of my, my kind of journey into marijuana, I uh, was relatively left to my own devices as... Uh, you had no brothers and sisters? I do have a little bit of... I have an older brother. You do. Um, and um, he lives in Topeka, Kansas these days. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I was, I was, I was left relatively unsupervised to be okay. raised in the wild, right? And so <laughs> having a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit... Mm -hmm. um, and kind of discovering cannabis when I was 14 with my best friend, Lyle. Yeah. Last name out of it since he is a medical doctor today. Let, yeah, let's uh, leave him alone for now. It's not legal naturally. <laughs> I remember the first bag of weed I bought. It was all sticks and stems and the kid who sold it to me. Um, but the, um, you know, it's, 
You know, so I, listen, I, I grew up, I, I enjoyed smoking pot when I was in high school. Um, I, I ended up getting a job, um, as I like to say, as a petroleum outflow technician. Yeah, so let, hold on. That's where I want to go. Why, why did you, I mean, I know what you do today. Why did you go to school and do something so hard? Like you could have done history and done this. Microbiology. You know, why, why, why in the hell did you go to school? Were you trying to be a doctor? Was that the deal? Um, no, um, actually, though, though, it's funny you say that because actually microbiology is really easy for me, but like going to history class was okay. right. It's just yeah. everybody's brain works a little bit different. That I just so love true. science. And, you know, I started I started out when I went to school as an international business um, major with um, I was going to get a minor in Japanese and Japanese classes were only offered at eight in the morning. And after I missed the first four weeks of class, I decided I might want to change my major because I was having a lot of fun in college. <laughs> um, and I just kind of bounced around. I, you know, I, I was looking at maybe getting a degree in physics or chemistry mm -hmm. and microbiology just kind of fell in, my, fell in my lap. And it was a lot of fun. But you were um, always a science guy. You found that out about yourself. You're a science yeah, guy. Yeah, I just I, mm -hmm. I just look at the world in a very scientific way. Of like, how do I put these pieces together? Right. Like yeah what's making this work and like always wanting to figure out how things work you know that has served you well as we as we continue in this conversation that is that that type of organized curiosity i will call it kind of uh serve uh served you well and you said after you got your mark this this amazing microbiology degree you went on and you actually tried to use it um, no, actually, I, well, yeah. it's, it's kind of, it's a little bit of a complicated story and I'm not going to go into the long version okay. that, I usually, that I usually reserve, usually reserve for a, uh, a private conversation over cocktails, but okay. um, I had a good friend of mine that, that like, couldn't like, so as, as good as I was in science, he was that bad in math. Right. Okay. So he was my, my friend from college for, you know, six years uh, in college and high school. And so I took his math class for him um, and we ended up getting kicked out of school because of that. But I had enough credits to graduate. So I was still able to sneak out and get my diploma in microbiology. But I left school six months earlier than I was planning to because I was going to get a minor in chemistry as well. Yeah. And then I figured out at that point I was going to use that degree to go sell legal drugs right in the pharmaceutical industry because. That was a really hot field and a really good job to get, um, you know, back in the early 90s when the drug companies were pushing a lot of product. Um, I'm glad I didn't. Um, but anyways, um, because I left school rather abruptly, um, uh, I ended up going to help my dad's business out. Um, and he had been an apparel uh, liquidator for, you know, 20 years where they would, you know, take excess manufacturers inventory, uh, end of season goods and turn around yeah. and you know buy okay. it for like, you know, 20 cents on the dollar and turn around and sell it for 50 cents on the dollar. So he'd go, he'd have, he'd go through distress inventory. Yeah. So like yeah. Tommy Hilfinger, end of the season, they've got all these odd units in the back of the warehouse. They just That's want to get right. rid of it and they want to get their next season's goods, goods out to market. Right. Got it. So they'll sell them to this secondary market in the apparel industry called jobbers. Um, and so he and about probably about 10 or 15 companies all used to exhibit in Las Vegas, separate from the big manufacturer show, which is called magic in the apparel industry. And uh, my dad at one point said, you know, went to the other jobbers and said, Hey guys, um, I think magic is going to grow and they're going to take over the space that we have. We should really form an association and start our own show. And they all said, no, I mean, every one of these companies was named after somebody, right? It was like, 
you know, so-and-so and sons or yeah. whatever the guy's yeah. name was like yeah. they lived and died by the deals. They would sell their mom for a dollar if they knew they yeah. could make a buck. Right. Like so these, these family shops. Yeah. Yeah. Diehard merchants. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, salt of the earth guys. Like it's, it's, it's all about the deal. Did, did you see this up close? Yeah. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I came to help him out because he was, you know, he had just liquidated a, a huge deal and his business was kind of supersized. And as it was kind of starting to contract, there was some, you know, kind of cash flow and pain points there. So I knew I could kind of come in and help him for a period of six months yeah. while I went and started looking for a job in the pharmaceutical industry. And <laughs> um, we ended up starting a trade show just really out of necessity for the off price apparel industry. And it ended up being one of the fastest growing shows in the U.S. Um, we took Wait it a from, minute. So that was the first thing was apparel. Yep. So it was apparel. It was it was it was out of the idea that you thought you had some ideas that could help your dad do what he needed to do. Yeah, absolutely. That is very cool, yeah. George. I like that story. And and I mean, but it you learned so much. Yeah. So Did you the, know anything at the, the time? No, of course not. Right. This goes yeah. this, this goes back to me like going, how does this work? How yes. do I make this happen? Right. Right. So like I had to figure out how to you know, produce a trade show and and execute all the event operations and negotiate union contracts and hotel contracts. Our very first show you'll appreciate, Vern, was at the Debbie Reynolds Hotel, Casino and Movie Museum. Um, we oh we took God. over the top three floors of the hotel and set up exhibitors in the hotel rooms. Um, moved furniture out and put it in the back of the house and, um, you know, moved everybody's stuff up like a four foot by four foot glass elevator. It was painful, but um, next year we took over seven floors and next year we took over the whole hotel. And then we eventually moved it into a convention center space. And yeah. then again, necessity being the mother of invention, um, uh, we kind of got bumped from that space because they were turning that convention space into the world's largest buffet. <laughs> Um, and we worked out a deal to actually put our show in a tent structure. So we started doing our shows in this tent structure and we could expand our show. Every time we sold more space, we could just add another bay to the tent structure. And then we eventually started our own tent structure company. There you go. Yep. Man, unbelievable. I want to know how, and I think I may have the answer, but this kind of got you into this media business, but we're going to take a break. George, and we'll, when we come back, we're going to get into the media part and, and, and how this thing all is all connected. I so much understand it better now. Hey, I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits, and my uh, guest today is George Jade. And George is absolutely the founder and the creator and the CEO of MJ Unpacked. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. The Plant Profits are back to lead the pursuit of the promised land of plant profit. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, welcome back. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host 
of Plant Profits. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. And my guest today is the CEO and co-founder of MJ Unpacked, Mr. George Jage. Hey, George, you, you were just saying you guys just blew this apparel um, show thing into uh, a convention size event and uh, you start spinning off other businesses out of necessity yep. uh, in, in, in doing that. And, and uh, is, that, is that how you, you decided to, to kind of get into this uh, trade show business? Because that's, that's kind of what you do. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that that experience of yeah. really kind of creating this event for the can or for the off price apparel industry, like yeah, I was just fascinated by the fact that that listen again, going back, this was kind of a a, a unique market and really understanding like what are the drivers, what creates success for these companies, like they lived and died by every deal. So they, whatever they bought, end of season goods and liquidated was in their warehouse. They had to turn that to get money to pay their employees and and take something home, right. and then they had to go and do it again. And a lot of these companies that we had exhibiting with us would sell 70 to 80% of their annual sales volume at our two shows a year. Yeah. yeah. So That's I realized how like powerful this was economically and not, not just to the business owners, but to the employees, to the salespeople, to the staff, to, to the whole economy, right? Um, within mm -hmm. that kind of ecosphere. And so I really fell in love with it, right? It, it just, it, it's, 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 it's exciting to build this up, build this up, build your attendance and get everybody in the room. And then there's just, you see the magic, there's deals happening and yeah. people- you know, you know, just negotiating. And, and it's just, it was like, like I said, th these are all diehard merchants that like, like you're, you're in the, the throes of like probably one of the, um, you know, toughest, you know, industries to make it. And these guys yes. are like yeah. cutthroat and the, some of the shenanigans were pretty funny. Um, this one year, this one guy, like, and they were so creative, right? So this one year, one of our exhibitors, there's movies made on. about this. There's movies made about this. Seriously. So one of the guys was down on his luck. And yeah. so he had kind of, you know, and these guys would go bankrupt a couple of times in their lifetime. Yeah. He was down on his luck. He didn't have any money. He had a bad couple of deals in a row that, that really kind of hurt him. So he came to our show and he had a booth. And what he did is he walked around to the other exhibitors and said that he wanted to buy their stuff from them, but he needed to take the samples and he would take their entire inventory and wrote them a purchase order for it. And then he took those samples back to his booth where he had no merchandise and set up for the show, sold what he could. And the ones that he didn't sell, he took back to those customers and said, I'm canceling the order. Here's your samples back. And that, totally screwed it. That takes a lot of things that I may can't sell on air. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, listen, he, I, I let the fight go in the parking lot for a few minutes before I had security break it up. <laughs> Oh my God. That's good. That, that is good. So you just kept going. Now, how did you find tea? Why did tea become so important? You know, I, I, I think my life has always been a kind of a series of like unexpected twists and turns. So at, so when, when we sold that business, um, yeah. I, I decided I was going to move out to New York. Uh, the world yeah. trade center blew up. I lost one of my best friends. Yeah. Um, everybody was kind of exiting New York. So I decided to go to Las Vegas where I had a pretty good network of friends and kind of, I just wanted to get out of Wisconsin. Right. It's cold there. You know that. Right. Oh, I wow. to get out. That's how we started the show. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. And so <laughs> I was a square peg in a round hole up there for sure. And so um, when I moved to Vegas, I started a business that I was importing patio furniture from China and selling it direct to the public at tent sales. Okay. Um, and, and I just put that together because I, I knew a guy that was in China that had been sourcing like 
beef for Hormel chili for like 20 years. So he knew yeah. all the ins and outs of the Chinese market. And I had another friend that had lost his job as a director of sales at a big furniture um, store in Wisconsin that moved out yeah. to Vegas. So I just kind of put that together. And that was interesting. I spent like two months in China going around and buying furniture and, and came back with eight containers of patio furniture. Um, I had also met this other guy um, <laughs> randomly that uh, through a friend of a friend. And he's like, I'm coming out to Vegas. You should really meet this guy. So I go out to dinner with him. And at the end of dinner, he goes, George, can I ask you a favor? And I said, sure. What? He goes, I need you to be my best man tomorrow. My girlfriend's coming over here and we're eloping. Okay. And he was from Australia. And so I ended up standing up in this guy's wedding. Yeah. And then he, he, myself, and a couple other guys, they had a business over in Australia manufacturing personal bottles of oxygen. And we set up a company in Las Vegas to sell it to the hotels as an in-room amenity. <laughs> nice. And then, and then another friend of mine, his wife comes up and says, George, you know, I'm really into tea. Is there a trade show for the tea industry? And honestly, yeah. I, I can say Vern at that time, I knew nothing about tea, but okay. I started, again, I wanted to figure it out. What, why isn't there a trade show for the tea industry? And there was this great category that, you know, globally is the second most drank beverage in the world next to water. But in the U.S., it's like seventh. Yeah. And, and, and there's this kind of emerging kind of specialty tea market that, that, you know, all they all kind of get shoved under the rug at a coffee show or a, a food and beverage show. They really want a community of their own. And that's what I really love doing is kind of building these communities. So I said, all right, well, we'll give it a shot. And I brought um, my friend and his wife on as uh, sweat equity partners. Yeah. And we want, we launched the first trade show um, in the U.S. for the tea industry. And um, after, yes, they did. Worked, after they worked together for the first year, they realized that they didn't like each other. Um, and so you that, saw the beginning and the end? They, they, so, well, well I, I, they both came to work and they were married. And then they, they, they ended up deciding to get divorced because like, <laughs> they didn't have that separation where they had work yes. to go to and come home together. So right. been, I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. So they got divorced and uh, they both wanted me to get rid of the other one. And at the same time, I had met my uh, wife, Kim, um, at a tea event. Um, I knew the day I met her, I was going to marry her. Wow. Um, she and That's I awesome. got married and she came to help me run the business and was she's a phenomenal marketer. And so we grew this into to World Tea Expo. We created an online learning platform um, for people to become tea sommeliers. Uh, we had nice. a global tea competition where people all over the world sent us their best tea and money, and we got to keep both. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you so, know, so before you go anywhere else in this story, I just want you to say the one thing that I got out of this story is that you, your dad gave you something that is just, you know, you can do anything you can think you can do. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. I think that that's true. Mm -hmm. um, my dad was an entrepreneur. My grandfather yeah. was an entrepreneur. My yeah. great grandfather was a Lebanese immigrant and had a, a, a barber shop on State Street in Chicago with a casino in the back room. <laughs> um, so it's it's someone in that's my great. genes, I think. I, yeah. I, I think the thing that has served me well the most has been the fact that I always got myself into a lot of trouble and I always had to figure out how to get myself yeah. out. So yeah. I always had to figure it out. Like there was yeah. like, got to move fast and, and be quicker than the next guy so that you can get yourself out of the hot water. I keep getting myself into when I was a kid. <laughs> that is, that is great. So the other thing though, you have this strategy, talk about your strategy because you, you take print and trade shows, but you create 
a value proposition for the consumers of that that is very intoxicating. Uh, so talk about, because it's it's the strategy I've noticed you use over and over again. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, the way that I've always kind of approached process. I mean, there's kind of two versions of trade show producers um, yeah. in the world that, you know, there's ones that want to produce any show. It doesn't matter if it's nuts and bolts or um, balloons or whatever, right? They just, they want to kind of have this rinse, lather, repeat kind of conglomerate approach to it. And I've always just really enjoyed kind of like more looking at saying, I'm not in the trade show business. I'm in the tea industry. I'm not in the trade show business, I'm in the cannabis industry. I'm not in the trade show business, I'm in the off-price apparel industry, right? And really understand the needs and, and, and need states of that community at a very deep level so that I can provide the highest value and not try to be, you know, something that's just, you know, kind of off the shelf and one size fits all. Because I don't think that that works in the world. So, you know, um, you know, kind of the, the, the approach of, of having the media assets of it um, you know, I think all of these things, you know, it's, it's what are the tools that, that you can provide to them, you know, whether it's a business newsletter, um, you know, to give them a, a consolidated resource and value of being able to see what's happening in the industry or a platform that they can promote their products and brands to. Um, the or, you know, the relationships where they can get money for their businesses. Yep. Right. The, just the, the, the total value of the connectivity and the whole idea is to get the right people in the room and it, be, it creates a value, right? And, yeah. And that's what I've spent, you know, 30 years <laughs> doing. And that's why, you know, with MGM Pact, uh, Vern, yeah. this is my opus. Like this is 30 years of, of my... It's bringing it all together. I'm bringing it, uh, MGM Pact. I am, I am there. This, this is like the, the Megatron of, of events. <laughs> that's great. So we're going to dive into MG, MGM Pact here. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, I'm Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. And my uh, guest today is George Jage. And George is um, is a, look. This MJ Unpacked is an amazing idea, and it's going to take off um, as he launched this thing in a couple of weeks. And we're all looking forward to it. So. Uh, we'll be right back and we'll dive into that and have uh, George talk to us about it a little bit. Thank you. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's gonna to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The concierge for better living with Doc Rob. Only on cannabisradio.com. The plant profits are back to lead the pursuit of the promised land of plant profit. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, welcome back. This is Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits. And my guest today is the CEO and co-founder of MJ Unpacked, Mr. George Jage. 
Hey, George, when we left, you were, we were talking about MJ Unpacked. And I mean, you, you've been in the, the cannabis play uh, in this game from a convention uh, value proposition perspective all the way back with MJ Biz and uh, some other things. So it's been six, seven, eight years that you've been in this game. And so you know this game and you have a lot of relationships. So, and as you said, you're bringing all this together now. This MJ Unpacked, uh, you're in Vegas, uh, coming up here very shortly. And uh, we're gonna, obviously October 21st and 22nd is where the show is, is, is when the show goes down. It's a premiere. And uh, but so tell us how it came together, why you think it's unique, what's the value prop to the to the folks that participate with you, and what are you providing? Um, thank you. Um, so you know, it's um, it, you know, when I when I came into this space back in 2014, I took over yeah. at MJ BizCon, um, you know, they had a 20 tabletop show, I was able to scale it into a thousand booth show. And, you know, at that time, our industry needed, you know, they needed uh, extraction equipment, they needed legal services, oh, they needed payroll services, oh, they needed software, they needed, they needed things that could help stand up their operating licenses. Mm -hmm. And the thing that kept me awake every night when I was running that business was, how am I going to pivot this event to be focused on brands and retails? Because I know that that is the end game. And if you look at any consumer packaged goods industry and, you know, across the board, the most important and often the biggest show is focused on brands and retailers like the Consumer Electronics Show, the biggest show in the world, mm. um, Natural Products Expo, Bar and Nightclub, Fancy Food, on and mm -hmm. on and on and on. And, you know, we've known for some time that cannabis is a CPG industry and that in the future there already exists a CPG, national CPG show. The only reason it doesn't today is because we don't have a national market. Right. So, um, you know, that's what we, the, the, the really the foundational premise of why we created this company to launch MJ Unpacked as an event exclusively for those brands and retailers um, that are really the vanguard of our industry. They're the ones that are on the front lines, creating a successful retail experience, creating a success, a, a quality product that's transparent and trustworthy mm -hmm. for the consumers to try cannabis, engage in the category and win over market share. Um, and, and, you know, this is a somewhat of an underserved segment of our industry. Most every event in the industry on a national level is this kind of what I refer to as an endless sea of light bulbs and label makers at this point um, that they just, uh, you know, it's, it's the, there's not a, the return on objectives for the license holders in this industry to go to those shows. They already know what kind of light bulbs they need. They already know yeah. what kind of counters they need. Anybody getting into the space today with a license already has their business plan and their equipment picked out and everything else. So, you know, moving this forward, you know, we, we started the business and, and then got funded from some great investors and then the pandemic happened. So we're kind of forced to go into this. Let's, let's go out to the market and provide value. So we created MJ Brand Insights, which is our publication. And we also mm -hmm. did a series of virtual events, which I am so glad we're never going to do again. Um, you know, they, they, they were hard. It was, it was tough to create that same type of excitement and yeah. that kind of relationship building. Um, but it gave us some time to really think through, like, when we come back, when we come back to, to doing live events, what do we want them to look like? How do we make them better? Like, we have a moment here to pause okay. and say, we don't want to just go back and do the same thing we've been doing before. And thought through, really, the need sets of the brands, need sets of the retailers, right. talked to them, surveyed them, and, and, and took our own personal experiences of events of what creates success. 
And, you know, I've been to a lot of events over the past 30 years and, and the events that, that have been the most meaningful for me is when there's a very highly qualified audience, right? So the first thing we do is unless you're a retail or a brand executive with the title of manager or hire, you're not mm-hmm. getting in our show. And, and we have mm-hmm. a reg deadline today. So we're getting hammered with people that want to get in that don't qualify because right, this right. is where the action is. Um, you know, the other thing that we wanted to do is, is, is kind of move away from this, walk down these kind of aisles and get your badge scanned and hand out business cards. Cause that's not what we don't do business with, with companies. We do business with people mm-hmm. and we need to be able to sit down and have a conversation with somebody understand what their challenges or what their, mm-hmm. their, what, what benefit they can offer you and have that conversation with the right people in the room mm-hmm. that can lead to a transactional event or transactional success in some way. And that might, might be an acquisition. It might be funding. It might be a, a number of different outcomes, but if you put the right people in the room that are, are, are executive level decision makers, mm-hmm. um, you create a lot of magic. So, so tell me, what is this, what does it look like? Tell me about oh, what you show. It, it's going to be special. Um, so, can you talk um, about it, or, or, or yeah, you got to come yeah, see? Yeah, I love on, talking man. about it. Tell us all about it. Tell so, us so when you come it. into our event, like first of all, because of COVID, we're we're yeah. locking down the entire third floor, kind of creating a bubble around our event. So people have to either be vaccinated and and download the Clear Health Pass to create a free digital vaccination card, or have a negative PCR test before they can even get up to the event. So nobody can just walk up and say, "I want to register," and that really yeah. helps us control to make sure the right people are in the room too. And then when you come up, we created this massive lounge area. And the, the, the kind of the concept idea behind this was that we want to create like a space, like at a nice business hotel that you would have a business meeting at and meet down at the lobby bar, grab a drink and, and, and a quiet corner, right? So we have tons mm-hmm. of soft seating. I've got a foosball table, like 16 people can play it at a time to have fun. I've got a bar. I've got local musicians coming in. Okay. I've got shuffleboard. I've got video screens all over the place. Um, and then as you kind of move through our event, we have what we call VC Central at MJ Unpack. Okay. And for the last couple of years, I've, I've known that a lot of these key decision makers aren't going to actually go to MJ Biz, but they go to Las Vegas because everybody's there. Everybody's there that they want to do business yeah. with. Yeah. So, so you get meetings somewhere in Vegas. Right. Yeah. And then people are spending half their week in a cab line or, or chasing right. down a hotel elevator, or, yes. you know, kind of running late, sweating, then they get to the next meeting. So um, you know, we've got Poseidon Asset Management, Arcadian, um, uh, uh, Entourage Effect, uh, Panther Capital. Some of the biggest VCs in the entire space have these business suites that are part of the show floor, uh, but they have the privacy. So they have a, have a professional host outside the room. You go in their suite. They've got couches. They've got a boardroom. They've got you know side tables for them to be able to meet with portfolio companies, portfolio investors, or possible mm-hmm. companies they want to invest in. So they have that privacy, but they can walk out of their suite and they're right there and have access to the deal flow, which is a huge benefit to them. I think it's um, awesome. I think it's then, awesome. You know, on our conference, you know, we have a great conference set and it's going to look beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's really about the content, right? Like our main stage, like because we're so hyper-focused and, and we have like, you know, some of the, we vetted every single speaker to make sure that they had real success stories that could translate into actionable intelligence for the executive level brand and retailers. And when you get to an executive level conference, people tend to be very more open and sharing because they realize that they have kind of more of a macro industry problem that needs to be solved collectively. And they're not trying to compete on a, on a kind of a, a sales level, right? So it really elevates the conversation to be much more um, open um, where people are really sharing success stories that, that can help the other people in the community be you know, more successful. Um, 
We've got um, a money stage. This is kind of like a, a Benzinga or Sedoti or a, mm -hmm. a Roth conference approach. So companies that are looking to raise capital can do it from a stage that only accredited investors, family offices, and, and, and venture funds can attend. Okay. But, then, but when you go in, and then we've got more soft seating through the event. But the cool part is that like, instead of designing this, this exhibit hall that yes. was focused on um, you know, kind of rows of booths, we created this brand experience hall. Because right now, for me to ask a brand to spend five or $6,000 on a booth and at least as much designing and shipping one to a show. Right. We're creating these brand showcases so they can place their product in a brand showcase that's tech enabled. So anybody can scan a QR code on that. They can direct message a brand rep, say I'm standing in front of your case. I want to talk to you about buying your product or bringing it to this state um, or investing in your company. Um, they can schedule time on their calendars. Um, we do have some traditional exhibit spaces that some of the brands that have larger portfolios are taking. Um, I've got you know, 40 tons, which is a really cool brand out of San Francisco, yeah. um, Bay Area, Corps Vancouver and Anthony Alvaret, uh, Algaret. They're setting up a, 10, a 20 foot prison cell on our show floor because that's what their brand's about is like, you know, we need to, you know, free people from being incarcerated from cannabis. And, you know, Corvain's story is built around that. This is going to be like no other show I've, I've, I've thought. I didn't even get to I didn't even get to tell you about my gong. I brought I bought a gong. Oh, tell me about the China. gong, man. I bought yeah. a gong from China that's literally <laughs> called the Flower of Life gong and bang chocolate sponsoring the gong. And when people get the deal done, they can bang the gong. And then we got the Blues Brothers coming in to do a live benefit. Well, yeah, let's talk about the concert. You got yeah. you got you got Belushi too. Yeah, Belushi yeah. and Dan Aykroyd coming yeah. in. Um, you know, uh, they got a special guest coming in to to play with them as well. Um, really? Yeah. Can you tell me? Nope, I can't tell you right now. You can't, have to, you can't tell me. Surprise. You're like it's me. I got surprise. four screens here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, so we got we got the Blues Brothers coming in, and, and yeah. Jim's such a salt of the earth kind of, kind of cannabis celebrity. Like, yeah, he's, he's just, in like, the business. It's he's cool. not putting his name on a package and saying I want I want royalties. He's like, I'm gonna go dig my hands in the soil. Yeah. Um, if you haven't watched uh, Growing Belushi, it's a great show. Um, on Discovery, um, I think they're coming out with season. They, season two will be being released right around the time of our show. Oh, that's great! And and here's the great part about this, Vern. We're donating 100 percent of the net proceeds from the concert to Last Prisoner Project and get some of our brothers and sisters that are sitting in prison for yeah. nonviolent marijuana possession charges or right. distribution charges or whatever charges. Get them the hell out of prison because we're never going to have a legal industry unless we make sure that the people who are incarcerated for this get get out of jail. You're so damn right. And I'm glad you're doing it. Man, this is amazing. Thank you. Uh, really, really. This is the crown jewel. This is my opus. Like this I said. This is the crown jewel. And, and we're Have going to New York. We're going, we're going and dropping this show right in the middle of the heart of New York in Midtown Manhattan next May. Okay. Um, and so you're going to do two a year? Is we're going to do two a year. Do? We're going to do okay. one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. West we'll Coast, be back yeah. to Vegas next fall. Okay. All bigger, right. Bigger, better, that, faster, stronger. Bigger, better, faster. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to learn a lot from the first one, too. Yeah, of course. You're going to learn so, so much. You know, it's it, the whole process. Like, you know, you know, I, I have a phenomenal team of people I work with. Wendy Campbell, Morgan Worley, my wife, mm -hmm. business partner, Kim, um, Deborah Johnson, uh, Lily Kerrigan. Um, but, but, you know, for really the last five months, we've been going out and telling people that that we're going to do this. And, and we did it in a very relationship manner because we want to build relationships we want the show to be based on relationships we're not like in this to like sell another ticket sell another booth sell another ticket that we're going to have the biggest show we want to have the best show right the one right. that has the most value 
And, and in those conversations, it, it was fascinating because when we explain to people like, this is who we are, we got the experience to do this. Mm-hmm. This is what we're creating and why we're creating it. They're like, oh my God, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and listen, we've got, this is the first time ever in the history of the cannabis industry that we're going to have over a hundred brands on display at our show from across the entire United States. Everything's been kind of living in these little microcosms of these state markets. Like this yeah. is going to be the first national CPG show for the cannabis industry. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for getting that done. We need this. And uh, it was great having you here, George. My guest is George Jage. And George is the CEO and co-founder of this wonderful show, MJ Unpacked. I'm so excited about October 2-1 and October 2-2. Yeah, baby. This is going to be great stuff. Bang the gong, baby. Bang the gong. Yeah, bang the gong. I love it. I love it. Thank you all for joining us. I am Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits. And you can download episodes of Plant Profits by going to CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis Radio is such a great partner. Or subscribe to the show on all major podcast outlets, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, iHeart, anywhere you go to listen, download this and download this episode uh, of Plant Profits and uh, really find out some really cool things by George Gage and uh, MJ Unpacked. Follow Protus Global on LinkedIn, all of the social media sites, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, and learn about how we are building companies and how we are changing people's lives at protusglobal.com. That's P-R-O-T-I-S, global.com. Until next time, cheers. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.